You're listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. This podcast exists to encourage, empower, and equip you to share your story and with it, the gospel. On today's takeaway, we sat down and discussed some examples in scripture about sharing your faith with family and how we've been impacted by our own families when it comes to what we believe. Welcome back, everyone. We're slowly approaching the end of this season. Uh, We want to say thank you to the really great response to Colin Daniels' episode. That was a really open and honest discussion that a lot of people could benefit from listening to. So if you haven't heard it yet, go and check out our latest episode with Colin Daniel. Well, today we're going to discuss sharing faith with family. Before we get started, though, we need to introduce our special guest, who's joining us via Zoom from Nashville. We're joined today by Kelsey Parkey, my sister. Kelsey, would you introduce yourself? Hello, howdy, hi. Um, Like he said, I'm his sister. My name's Kelsey Parkey. My husband actually also runs sound for the podcast, and I try to help out with social media. Um, but we live in Nashville. We're both from Chattanooga. Um, trying to think what's interesting about us. Probably our dog is the most you need to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, your husband is the wizard. Magical wizard. So thanks for joining us, Kelsey. I greatly appreciate it. Um, today we're going to be talking about faith and family. So you want to dig into it? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, also, obviously just thought it would be appropriate and slightly funny to have a family member on while we talk about faith and family. Yeah. Kind of par for the course, if you will. (laughs) But, But before we discuss anything like personal experiences or opinions, um, why don't we look at some of the examples that you can find in scripture and just what the Bible says when it, in general, talks about faith and family. Yeah, uh, I think we really see two primary categories of family in Scripture, excluding the fact that the church becomes your extended family. Um, this would just be talking about direct relations, you know, your your blood relatives. Um, so with that, the first category is pretty obvious, your your blood relatives. Uh, so like your parents, your siblings, your grandparents, uh, cousins, so forth and so on. And the second would be the family that you kind of go off to start on your own. So your spouse, your children, and I guess your grandchildren, um, and so forth and so on. Well, while considering the uh, category of, you know, close blood relatives, there are some really great passages to look at. Uh, the first one I want to point out is Exodus twenty twelve. Um, we're just going to read that real quick. Exodus twenty twelve. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. All right, so 
I'll just point out really quick. I know that second part, most people don't hear the you will live long in the land that the Lord's giving you. It's one of the only um, Ten Commandments that has a promise attached to it, like a blessing attached to it if you follow it. Really cool. All right, so you know we have to talk about this because we're talking about family and faith. We have to talk about honor thy mother and father. So when you guys hear this verse, what do you think it means? Well, it's kind of silly, but the first thing that comes to my mind is actually the story of Mulan. So I think it's important to understand the difference between honor and obedience. Mm -hmm. So in the story of Mulan, she actually disobeys in order to try and bring honor to her family, which if you don't know the story, you should look it up. But I feel like most all of our listeners have heard it or know about it in some form or fashion. So with that in mind, living with an honorable mindset to your parents is not necessarily agreeing with everything they say or do or necessarily going along with all that they tell you to. Uh, there's, there's a difference there. You can be disobedient and honorable by just making sure that you're being respectful um, because not everyone gets it right. And so you don't always have to obey. I say that cautiously to our younger listeners. Definitely obey your parents. Uh, but as you get an adult and you go out on your own and you have left the safety net of your, your parents' household, there's times that come up where you're going to disagree and you can be honorable in that disagreeance. Yeah, I think that's good. I think it's really helpful. Kelsey, do you have any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I'm sure if you've listened to Kip's episode on here, he spoke about our parents. So that, honestly, the verse is always hard, to be frank. Um, But I think for me, in my experience with our parents, is always speaking truthfully about them, Um, even if it's good or bad or someone saying it's a lie or or whatever it is um now that i'm older and live on my own and everything and just in everything i say be truthful even if it's painful even if it's hard to hear even if it's hard to say um and i think that goes with honoring both of them okay yeah that's good i kind of want to go off of what micah said too um you know, that word honor that's used here has been so twisted and misused that most people don't really understand what this command is actually telling us. Um, So honoring your parents does not mean doing everything they tell you to do, uh, especially if it involves sin or dishonoring God. But it means listening to the instruction of your parents in regards to godly wisdom and bringing honor to their lives by obeying the word of God. Yeah, I, th- I think when it comes to family, especially with your parents and your siblings, the greatest thing you can do is to honor the word and live a life that exemplifies how Jesus has changed your life. Um, yeah, I, I think of You know, we just mentioned Colin's episode, but he talked about how his brother was impacted by the change in his life. And I think 
that's a really good example of it. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, we can move on and look at a a different passage, um, a couple of passages actually. Now I think about it. So the first one is Luke nine uh, verses fifty seven through sixty two. the echo guys it's killing me yeah as they were walking along the road a man said to him i will follow you wherever you go jesus replied foxes have dens and birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head he said to another man follow me but he replied lord first let me go and bury my father jesus said to him let the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another man said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. All right, before we touch that, we'll look at this other passage, too. It's pretty, uh, pretty similar to this. All right, it's Luke 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, these are some pretty heavy passages, and I think a lot of, especially new Christians, misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. Um, And I know I've heard a few stories in the past from unbelievers who hear verses like this out of context and are turned off by the faith. But what do you guys make of these verses? Uh, so first looking at Luke nine fifty-seven through 62, I've heard the story um, taught most about this individual wanting first to give clarification. His dad's not dead. So the the way I've heard this passage taught most recently is that being the oldest, he would have birthright to the inheritance, right. and he didn't want to miss that on that. Yeah. To clarify, his his dad's still alive at this point, and so it's kind of the if I leave now, what I'm supposed to get isn't going to come to me. It's going to come to whoever's next in line, and I don't want to miss that. So there's a, a sense of greed that you see in his response to to Jesus. And so Jesus's response was that of don't, don't worry about it. There's, there's bigger things here than just your inheritance. Um, but moving on to the second passage in Luke 14, I think he's, he's talking about recognizing the cost of complete surrender and not that you should hate your family. Jesus actually says the complete opposite of that in first John three fifteen. He says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. So I think it's pretty clear that he's not telling you hate your family, but he's saying put me and following me above everything. You still love your family. And, you know, even further on in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, uh, you know, it says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So noise that has chaos and is not really beneficial by itself. Or if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. 
so I think it's abundantly clear we're not supposed to hate our family, but we are supposed to be willing to surrender whatever may be above Christ in our life, be it family, be it an idol of whatever kind. Um, that's that's kind of what Jesus is calling us to. Um, I think going off of what Micah was saying, hearing those verses, the first thing that pops into my mind is complete and total surrender to Jesus. And I think talking about family specifically, that's probably one of the hardest things to leave. Um, and, and I don't think it's saying you should leave or that you should hate them or not talk to them. But I think we've both been in situations, Kip, where the relationship isn't working. It's not glorifying God. It's not helping us be closer to Jesus. Um, and so sometimes taking a step back and still loving that person and knowing that you're always there for them and they know that too, but you don't have to talk to them every day necessarily if it's hurting you. Um, and I think, you know, obviously it doesn't mean hate your family or even if they're not Christians, it doesn't mean that it's more of just Jesus is first and there's nothing in between you and Jesus. And that's sometimes that may be a family member um, and just picking him over literally everything. That's good. That's a really good thought. I will say you touched on something there and it might come up here in a minute too, but I just want to point it out real quick. Um, you know, the Bible is very clear about, you know, how we're supposed to forgive people. And I love this actually. One of our pastors at our church, uh, Pastor Chuck, always says this. is like, we're, we're commanded to forgive, but we're not commanded to forget. Um, you're not going to see anything in the Bible where it tells people to forget the sins of other people. Um, we're supposed to forgive them, yes. And I just want to point that out because like Kelsey's saying there, if you find yourself in some kind of a toxic relationship, even if it's with a family member, maybe especially if it's with a family member, then forgive them, yes, but you don't have to stay there and deal with that abuse. You don't have to live with that abuse. I think there's freedom in Christ to walk away. Um, so, well, which, I think walking away goes back to, to being honoring kind of what Kelsey was talking about. It, it ties back into that of you can be honorable and have nothing to do with someone, and that may be the most honorable thing you can do in some situations. So... Yeah, that's helpful. Well, I just I want to share some of my thoughts on these passages to you before we move on. Um, you know, I remember in the past when I, I read this, uh, especially early in my faith, um, I thought this meant to sort of shun your family, uh, especially if they were unbelievers. Um, if you disagreed on the faith, like, you should just walk away from them. Um, I have since matured. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, but no, I, I, I looked at these teachings and thought Jesus was instructing his followers to turn their backs on their families. And, you know, in some ways that's kind of true. And I'm going to talk about that in a second, but not in the way that we tend to think. Um, but first I want to talk about this passage from uh, Luke 9, um, where Jesus tells this guy to let the dead bury the dead. And most people, including myself, have read that to mean that this guy's dad died and he wanted to go bury him, but Jesus was all mean and said no, like Micah just did. <laughs> but <laughs> that's not that's not what's happening. 
obviously. I mean, if this guy's dad had just died, I don't think he'd be out uh, for a stroll with his buddies. Um, what's actually happening here has to do with cultural norms. Um, and Micah kind of hinted at this, but there's just, just a little bit more I want to discuss. See, in that culture and in that time, whatever the father believed is what the entire family believed. And this is still the case in some, some places here now. Um, anyway, and once the father died, the eldest son took over the duties of taking care of the family, which included spiritual things. Uh, so this guy is basically saying that he can't believe in Jesus until his dad dies and he can change the family religion. So that means that what Jesus is telling him is that your beliefs are not dependent on what your family believes. Your beliefs are your own. And you have to decide for yourself to follow Jesus rather than relying on this idea that, well, my parents and my grandparents are Christians, so that means I am too. Nope. You are responsible for your own faith and relationship with Jesus. Um, and then looking back at this, this second passage that we talked about, Luke 14, um, you know, when he says you'll hate your mother, your father, your brothers and sisters, um, he's giving people a glimpse into what could happen as a result of choosing to be a Christian. Um, I'm thinking specifically of people who choose to follow him, but their family is from a different faith. Um, in those cases, it really is like this sometimes. Uh, one of our previous guests, actually, Meg Leesner's story, deals with this exact issue. Um, highly recommend going to listen to that. But if you want a deeper glimpse into some of the things that happen kind of in the, uh, the Muslim community, uh, when this kind of thing takes place, I recommend reading this book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi. Uh, his family, you know, they were Muslims, and when he became a Christian, they turned their backs on him. They shunned him. Um, but he continued to love them and, like, pursue a relationship with them, kind of like what you were saying, Micah. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to treat them like enemies anymore. Mm -hmm. um, he still attempted to share the gospel with them, and he, he prayed for them. I think he's he's just a really great example for us to follow. Yeah, your family may become your enemy if they believe differently than you, but Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies and to love our enemies. I mean, that's easier said than done, unfortunately, but that is, I think, the most effective way to get through. If If I'm living in a way that's, if, if I'm not loving towards someone and I'm telling them I care, hypocrisy, right? Who's going to listen to that? Okay, so with the, the idea of your own family, I'd like to focus on one key passage here uh, because I think it sums up really well what it looks like to lead your own family in faith, and that's Joshua twenty four fifteen, And specifically in that is the phrase, as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. So, what you got? What do we got? What does it mean to serve the Lord as a household? It's a good question. Um, so, I think I think this verse just it really speaks for itself. Um, I mean, in context, just we have that Joshua is staring down at a group of Israelites who have decided that. They'd rather worship other gods. They'd rather do their own thing. 
but Joshua refuses to back down. Uh, he and his family are going to continue to serve God and worship God. I think that's what anyone who is a believer um, and has a family of their own should be striving to do. Worship the Lord even in the face of opposition and turmoil, which I mean we're facing a lot more of these days. Um, I think for me and Austin, you know, we don't have kids yet, but it's an open conversation that we always have. Um, and for us, it's just going over our faith. Um, we talk about it pretty frequently. I feel like at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., it's those conversations about Jesus um, that are really hard to beat. Who's <laughs> um, awake at 2 and 3 a.m.? Not me. <laughs> hey, when you work in live music, it's a thing. It's fair. It's fair. And I think for us, a lot of it is how we treat people outside of our house, um, whether it be someone on the street, if I'm driving by and I ha I can safely give them something that I have, or just how we treat people is really important to us and our faith. So, yeah. So adding on to that, I yes, I think it's really self-explanatory, but I think it's setting an example for your family and in living a life that glorifies God and puts him above all else. So having that servant's heart that Kelsey's talking about, mm -hmm. you know, treating people outside of your house. Um, and actually just, we talked about this in our small group last night and putting yeah. the interests of others above yourself as it talks about in Philippians two. Thank you. Yep. I almost said Ephesians there. Wow. <laughs> but just that, that whole servant's heart and having the mindset of God first, others second, yourself last. Mm. So now let's walk through some personal experiences, if, if we have any, some <laughs> different practices that we can put in place in our own families now and what we think would be some good applications to help others who want to share their faith with both categories of family. Um, and going back to that first category of blood relatives, well, what's been your experience when it comes to, to sharing your faith with them? Mixed. <laughs> uh, I actually, I'm, I'm curious to hear what Kelsey says before I say anything. <laughs> you wouldn't put it on me first. Oh, man. Um, you know, honestly, like, the relationships with our family members have changed, I feel like, so much. Every couple of years, it's it's a different, it's a different relationship. Um, you know, in middle school and high school, I feel like I definitely just followed everyone around and was like, oh, they believe this, so I'll believe it. And that that's the right thing to do because they're my family. They're not going to lead me astray. And, you know, and as I've gotten older and a lot more independent and more of thinking for myself than just what other people are telling me, um, you know, I've, I've gotten in arguments with family members when I, I think they're interpreting something completely wrong um, from what Jesus intended it to be. Um, I think for us, we have a pretty diverse family of beliefs, which isn't a bad thing. Um, you know, on one side, I think we have family that just don't believe. And, you know, that's 
that's their choice. And I think for me, it's just trying to be a good example. And even when I falter or even when I get mad at them and they get mad at me or whatever it is, just being like, you know what, I'm not perfect. Just because I'm a Christian or just because I say I love Jesus, I do. That doesn't make me a perfect person. Um, So I think a lot of the relationships I have with different family members are different because some of them I can have a more open conversation with about Jesus, whereas other ones it's shut down immediately. And, And that's their choice and that's totally fine. And I don't want to push them even further away. So I think every dynamic that I have with every individual family member is different in regards to religion. Um, and that's something I'm still navigating because it'll change tomorrow, honestly. Um, so yeah. No, uh, I, I mean, I would, I would definitely say most of our family are, are not, uh, followers of Jesus. Um, and if they claim to be, I, I would dare say some of them are just nominal. Um, but Hey, that, that might just be me. I, I can't know someone's heart. It's only God's place to know someone's heart. Um, I'm just here to love people and share the gospel. So, um, I will say though, you know, growing up, both, both of our parents are, were just essentially agnostic. Um, at least they, they never really talked about faith at all. And I think the most that we heard from was, uh, our grandparents on our, our dad's side. Uh, they were very serious Christians. I always, I don't know about Kelsey, I hated spending weekends with them. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> they were just super strict and religious and you tried to convert us, ironically. Um, we were only allowed to stay the night with them on Saturday nights because we had to go to church with them on Sunday morning. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Even really? though we were tiny and had no idea what was happening anyways. <laughs> yeah, I remember maybe coloring a couple of coloring pages yep. <laughs> at one point, and that's basically all I can recall. But I hated I hated spending the weekends with them because I didn't want to go to church. Um But I I can say I can't say I cannot say that the faith of my family um in any regard has influenced my beliefs. Uh, one way or another, um, you know, I, I found Jesus on my own, uh, on my own terms, and I've chosen to continue following Him because it's it's what I believe, and I it's what I want. I believe in Him, and I, I want to know Him more and more every day. Um, it has nothing to do with what my family wants or what my family believes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I continually pray and, and hope that God will move in their lives, but you know, right now I'm on my my path and it's separate from theirs, unfortunately. Um, I will say that I, I do want to share one story just quickly about our papa. Um, so our our uh, mom's dad, um, our maternal grandfather. Uh, he's a pretty gruff man. Uh, when we were kids, he smoked a lot, he drank a lot, um, he cheated on our grandma at one point. Um, I remember when I was in my first year of college. He ended up in the hospital with lung cancer. Um, I visited, and I tried at one point to talk with him about Jesus. Um, I told him the gospel as best I could, and his response was, I don't want to hear about that. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Um, But he he left the hospital that time, um, but he passed away a year later. 
And at his funeral, I was, I was a little surprised because there was a choir there, like an old country choir, and they sang Amazing Grace. Then one of uh, our great aunts came up to me and gave me a picture. And it was a picture of our papa being lowered into a baptistry in, in his wheelchair. A huge smile on his face. You could tell that he was laughing. Um, and that great aunt explained that he'd gotten saved shortly after that first visit to the hospital and was baptized just a few weeks before he passed away. And I know that sounds kind of disconnected, but if the faith of anyone in our family has really truly impacted me, it was that man at the very end of his life and seeing how unbelievably amazing God's grace is. Absolutely. And honestly, going off of, after going off of you um, with Papa, that I was thinking about it when I was reviewing these questions um, a couple of days ago. And honestly, he was the first person that popped into my head. Um, not from that story, actually, but I remember as a kid, I had found this old cross necklace in one of our barns, and it was covered in dirt. It was rusted, it, and I remember taking it to him and being like, what is this? Because I, I genuinely just didn't know what the symbol of a cross was. And all he said to me was, that was a good man. And that has always just stuck with me. I still have the cross somewhere, and I've kept it since I was a kid. It's one of the only things I have. And I think that just speaks for, he's definitely the person from our family that overcame every type of demon. And it was, you know, his last breath, but he did it. And I look forward to seeing him one day. Well, I think that's, while I don't have a story that can relate to that exactly, um, I think that speaks to the power of prayer, which has been a big part of the my family's story in uh, if anybody's not listened to my brother's episode, uh, Nick shares about how he grew up in church and accepted Christ as his savior and concerned his life as a kid or a younger uh, person, but then just did his own thing for probably 15 years. And, you know, I remember for over a decade in my family, my parents, my grandparents, me and my sisters praying for him. And kind of seeing that prodigal son moment, if you will, he may not describe it that way, but from, from my perspective, it was, it was that. And, um, one of the biggest things I think is important, especially with family, but even outside of family is be accepting of the person. That doesn't mean you accept their choices, their thoughts, their opinions, their actions, but if you accept them and love them, you're going to have a much larger opportunity you know if if my brother who wasn't in the best place if I just treated him like crap and I may have I was I'm a younger sibling you know that happens um it could have just pushed him further away whereas if if you love someone as Christ loved us and gave us that example there's an opportunity for breakthrough it doesn't mean they're gonna accept it and that's not on you you can't force anyone to change, and you shouldn't. But if your love is genuine and authentic, that's that's the best chance of showing the gospel along with telling it. Mm-hmm. I will I will speak into that just a little bit too. I think you know your family is a great example of 
the impact that a family can have when it comes to just exemplifying the faith, sharing the gospel, because I know my life has been impacted by you and your family, uh, especially your, your parents. Your parents are awesome. I'm, I'm very, very blessed. And I, I say that wholeheartedly. Um, but coming out of that, nobody here in this conversation has kids yet. <sighs> but Sigh we all we all have left our uh, category one family, as we've been calling it, and moved into category two, where you know we we live on our own. We're married. We have our own family, while it is a part of you know our relatives, but it's our own thing. And and so I'm curious what you two anticipate sharing your faith with your future family if you have kids grandkids or your spouse um what that looks like seeking jesus together mm. and I'll, I'll go ahead and start because it's kind of timely while Paige and i don't have kids we're currently in the adoption process and so this is something that's been on my mind a lot lately and something that i want to do that i feel like my parents thankfully did for me and you actually mentioned this earlier is your your faith is your own it wasn't your your grandparents it wasn't your parents it wasn't your cousins it was you found Jesus on your own and while I want to facilitate that for my kids one day I want to make sure that they have their own faith and it's not kind of what what Kelsey even said is oh they're not going to lead me astray I don't want them to have that thought I want them to know that Jesus is real from their experiences and what they're going through in their day to day and so Do I know exactly what that's going to look like? No, but I definitely want to make sure I teach and lead in a way that allows them, again, to have their own faith in it. It's not anything that's dependent on mine or pages. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm curious, how how are you and Paige growing closer to the God, closer to God together right now as a married couple? You know, it's it's looked different lately. It's a lot of praying for our future kid and, and not just them, but for their their biological parents, their birth parents, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I find myself in this difficult place of praying for their salvation. And, you know, God, if the, the kid you have intended for us could have biological parents that get to know you, I'd and you know our future kid that that's all i can want and so it's it's been a humbling lesson to think you know the interest of others above your own going back to to the reference earlier but yeah it's just kind of having that mindset of we're going to be responsible for somebody that's being entrusted to us in you know honoring God through that, that's good. I, I've not thought about that word like entrust. Like you hear a lot of parents talk about how God has entrusted their kid to them, but you're getting it double fold, like like twofold. Yeah. It's not just God; it's also their their bio parents entrusting them to you. Like well, anybody wow. who's who's not familiar with the adoption process, at least in our case, is. Um, We'll, we'll be made of aware of uh, a pregnancy or a situation, as it's often called, and 
um, we'll send our information and that, that birth mom, there will be a birth mom that picks us, you know, God willing. And, and that's literally them entrusting their kid to us for life and not taking that lightly and, and realizing that, I mean, that's, it's a big sacrifice. Yeah. So we want to, we want to do that in a way that is God honoring and, I know Aaron and I have, um, you know, first talking about like just how we, uh, you know, a a married couple have pursued Christ together. Um, We've tried to do a daily devotional together, um, you know, trying to keep it fairly regular. And we used to do it every morning. Uh, I think that lasted for honestly nearly a year. We were doing pretty good. But my work schedule changed uh, due to COVID. And it was hard for both of us to wake up at 5 a.m. Oh, I don't like waking up at 5 a.m. So I don't blame her for wanting to sleep in. Yeah, it's just first season, though. You'll get through it. <laughs> um, but it's carried into t- anyway. Anyway, um, so we've we've been trying to do it once a week on Saturday mornings because um, that's when we're we're both off of work together and we have more time on our hands to, to tackle it. Um, so we're, you know, we're still, we're still kind of learning what it means to follow Jesus together as a married couple. We're only like approaching two years. So, um, you know, we're also in a small group, uh, with other married couples who are a little farther along than we are. So they've been there to you know kind of give us advice and, and guidance and encouragement at times. Um, one cool thing that I want to talk about briefly though, is we, we serve together. Um, you know, that is something that I think gives us a pretty unique perspective. Uh, we've actually been serving together within the same ministry since we started dating. Um, and we've been with that ministry literally from the first day it began. Um, I just, I don't know. I think there's something really special about a family that actively serves together uh, we get to be a part of a ministry and invest in it side by side. So we both know what the struggles are. We're also, you know, having chances to celebrate big wins in that ministry together. Uh, more than anything, though, serving is something that challenges people in general to grow. And we have an opportunity to grow together while serving. So I think that's cool because, you know, God is working in us, but he's also working through us while we serve. And, you know, there have been times where he's been doing different stuff in different ways at different times while we're there in that ministry together. Um, But more often than not, honestly, he's working on the same thing in both of our hearts while we're there. And it's really cool to like go home afterwards and reflect on it together. Um. You know, on the subject of kids, obviously, we don't have kids yet. I think we're still a little ways away from that. Um, but I think when we have kids, it'll it'll mainly be a matter of just drawing them into those moments. Um, and I want to say inviting them because I think that's important. I don't want to make it feel like they're, they're forced into discipleship. Um, kind of like what you, Micah, and, and you, Kelsey, were saying uh, for a second there. 
you know, I want our goal to be discipling our kids, but I don't want it to be kind of forced on them. So just simply inviting them into our devotional and Bible study as a family and then striving to serve together as well. Um, but I think also as a parent, I would yeah, I would want to be open and honest. And I think, Kelsey, you talked about this. And I think it's a really cool point. Um, you know, I want to invite our kids to ask questions. I don't want to just smother them with the faith. I would prefer to guide them and show them who Jesus is and that he is worth following rather than try to force our kids down a specific path. And I know, I just I just think leaving room for, for honesty and, and questions creates true discipleship. So I want to make sure there's there's room for our kids to question some things and hear our answers when we have answers. But then, you know, when we don't have answers, I, I aim to be totally honest with them. It's like, I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that a little bit for you and get back to you on it. Well, and I think that's an opportunity that when that day comes is let's look into it together. Yeah. Yeah. Grow to literally grow together. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I think honestly, that's a lot of what I was going to talk about. Um, for me, every time Austin and I talk about it, which we have a little bit of a different dynamic. Um, Austin was raised Catholic. Um, and so for us, when we think of our kids, it's going to be a little bit of a balancing act because we want to respect not just how we both feel, but Austin's parents as well. It's conversations that we've had with them. And, and I value their relationships with Jesus. I, I call his mom all the time and we'll sit there and pray or we'll talk about something. Um, so for me, it's definitely more of having open, open conversations with our kids. Um, and speaking from experience, like in middle school and high school, whether it be our dad or our grandparents or uncle or whoever, you know, I wasn't allowed to miss church. I wasn't allowed to miss Sunday school or Wednesday youth group, even if I would go crying and come home crying because it wasn't an environment I was comfortable in. And so I know for me, I just, I never want to make my kid do that just to check off oh they're a christian they have to go to church um at specific times or every single week or three times a week and and that's great if that if that's what they want to do and if that's what other people do and that works for them um but i think having those open conversations and i want them to feel safe and be in their environment where they're learning but they're also comfortable in and i think for austin and i it's it's one thing to go to church in the morning, but it's a bigger thing about how we treat our kids when we go home and continuing what we heard, what we learned, what we studied, and then practicing it with our kids. And like you said, answering their questions. And and if they're having doubts or if they don't understand something, instead of being angry or you can't have those feelings, talking through them and working through them. And if there's something that I don't understand that they're asking seeking help from someone. Honestly, it's probably going to be you, Kip. I'm going to have you on the phone with them. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, honestly. Um, so I think for us, that's still a conversation. There's not, oh, this is exactly what we're going to do when we have kids, because we don't know when that's going to be. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> but I think for us, it's just our relationship with our kids, we want that to glorify God and our relationship with each other. And then we're going to go from there. So. Well, I think that's the best place to start is having 
the foundation in leaving room for God to to build from there. Because having a game plan is great up until something goes wrong, and um, and then you got to be able to be flexible and pivot. I I, I would think that. Everything we're saying in regards to raising kids, again, if you're listening, none of us have kids. We don't know. Um, but I think it really boils down to, you know, kind of what we're, we're thinking and expecting is um, show, don't tell. Yes. Like, do what I do, not do what I say. Maybe both. Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> but like... <laughs> do what you say. D- depends on what I'm saying. To do. Well, if I'm telling fair. you to do your chores, do your chores. <laughs> my my thinking though is uh, in regards to you know how we how we do our faith is literally show them how we do our faith, like show them how we live it out, and not just. I think in the past it's just been parents take kids to church and expect pastors, uh, student pastors, to just tell them what to do, and they're supposed to magically do it. But I think parents miss out on a great opportunity for discipleship because I think kids more often than not are going to grow up to emulate what their parents' faith looks like. Like and Paul said, be like me as I'm trying to be like Christ. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think if we are supposed to do what Proverbs 22 six says and raise a child up in the way that they are supposed to go, then that means we should allow ourselves to be raised up in the way that we are supposed to go as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's the best thing we could leave you with right there. So just to recap, none of us have kids, but we're giving parenting advice. No, um, <laughs> but we're trying to give practical advice on, on what we, uh, feel led to do in, in future situations, uh, God willing. We also want to have given practical advice from real experiences with sharing faith with your family and and what that looks like. Well, in the next takeaway episode, we'll be talking about faith and friends, and we might actually have another special guest lined up. Um, This is definitely going to be a great conversation that you don't want to miss. Thank you so much for listening to the Mountain and Valley podcast. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing, leaving a review, or sharing an episode with a friend. You can also follow us on social media. Just search underscore MV podcast on any platform. This podcast was created and produced by Kip Wilkinson and Michael Horvath. This episode was mastered and scored by J.A. Parkey. To learn more about this project, you can visit mvpodcast.org. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story.